0: Now it's deadline day once again for the restoration of power sharing at Stormont. That means unless leaders are able to strike a deal by midnight, another election could be on the cards. Joining us now, Sinn Féin leader Mary Lou Macdonald. Hi, good it's morning. Good to see you. Kay. Thanks very much indeed for joining My us pleasure. on the programme. What do you make of these strikes, first of all?
1: Well, I, I heard just that, that, that last exchange between yourself and Pat, and you, you said, like, who's responsible for deaths? Should, they, should the strike action go ahead? Just remember, nursing staff, emergency crews save lives every single day and they've been put under the most unbearable pressure. The NHS, certainly in the north of Ireland, we have a full-blown health crisis. Uh, We need more investment, we need more capacity and above all else, we need now a government that will sit down with the nurses, with their unions, with people and be reasonable, recognise the scale of the crisis and then strike a reasonable deal. I I just think it's unconscionable, given that, that strike action is looming, that any responsible government would say, this is our offer, that's it, this far and no further, when it's obvious to everybody the incredible work that's done within the health service, but also the gaping need for more resources. And as Pat said, to bring people into the nursing profession, nursing midwifery and other medical professions, and to keep them there. There is a recruitment and a retention issue. And if you have a system that's in perpetual strain, in perpetual crisis, of course professionals at some point are going to say enough is enough and unfortunately walk away. And that really puts lives in danger. Uh,
0: Today's the deadline for devolved government restoration in Northern Ireland. We've been here before.
1: Oh, we have. Yes, we have another uh, deadline, uh, another deadline mess. But let me... Try and strike a a positive and an optimistic note because uh, although we are disgracefully eight months out from elections with no executive, no functioning uh, assembly, um, all at the behest of the DUP, the Democratic Unionist Party, I have to say at times, assisted by the Tory government. But eight months on, there is now an urgent and pressing need for government to be re-established and there is now finally a sense of movement. Finally, a sense that uh, a reasonable, rational approach can be taken and a deal can be struck on the outstanding issues around the protocol, that those matters can be resolved, that we can then get back to work and we can get people elected, by the way, and paid through the public purse, back to work and delivering for people as the health crisis looms, in the the grip of a cost of living crisis. It's not too much for people in the north of Ireland to expect that when they go out and they vote and they return their democratic verdict that the political people, political leaders get back to work. So I'm optimistic in as much as um, Mr. Cleverly is in Washington. There's been a flurry of the foreign secretary, uh, uh, there's been a flurry of activity and meetings Progress has been made. Progress was made more than a year ago on the issue of medicine supply. We've resolved the issue on veterinary medicines. The issues around data sharing that the British government have, had been really put up a blockade on that matter seems to be resolved. So if, if the truth is, Kay, with goodwill and with a determination to get this job done, actually a deal can be done and it can be done very quickly. And I would just like to urge everybody forget what happened in the past, forget the roadblocks and the ups and the downs. Let's get this done. Let's land on a fair and reasonable conclusion. Ensure the smooth operation of the protocol and then, for goodness sake, people need to get back to work because, in the end, another election, if that is what happens. And the rulebook says if we don't have the institutions, we have to go to an election. But thus far... All we have had is stalemate and a sense of limbo, and that's not a good place for us to be. For
0: that end, isn't it time the EU stopped using Northern Ireland to punish the UK and and accept um, its constitutional position as an integral part of the United Kingdom? It's been seven years, nearly, since uh, the UK voted and Northern Ireland voted not to be part of um, the European
1: Union anymore. So the North of Ireland didn't vote not to be part of the European Union. Part of the United Kingdom. Oh, contraire. People in the North voted to remain. And just be very clear that it was deeply, deeply unsettling for the entire island of Ireland, this Brexit. And and by the way, I respect, by the way, the right of of people in England across Britain to say we no longer wish to be part of the European Union. That is absolutely your prerogative. And I would not wish to intrude on that. But I do have to remind you that that decision had very, very far-reaching implications for where I live and for my country, um, and I, I have to say that that reality was not recognised, in, in my view, in the course of the entire Brexit debate. And then only very belatedly after the fact, the penny dropped. Well, actually, Ireland, the island of Ireland is a single landmass. Um, we have a peace process to the credit of everybody that has been painstakingly built now over decades. We're 25 years, a quarter of a century, yeah. K, of the Good Friday Agreement in Peace. And that uh, the Brexit uh, phenomenon could not overturn, upturn, upend uh, all of that. No responsible person would wish to have that. So I don't believe and I do not accept for a second that the European, uh, anybody in Europe has used the North to punish anyone. I think we have all simply recognised a reality that in order for Britain, uh, having taken its decision, the realities of that come home to roost on the island of Ireland and then we have to ask how do we keep the lights on on our island? How do we protect the peace? How do we protect the all-Ireland economy? How do we protect people's job prospects, their their standard uh, of living? And that's responsible work, I think. And I I think the challenge is, I I would cast differently. Uh, I think the challenge has proven to convince the British government not to act unilaterally, to convince the British government that it is not a good look for them to announce to the world that they will trash and break international law, to convince the British government that when you land on an agreement, and bear in mind this protocol was negotiated and agreed by a British government, when you sign on for something like that, you honour your word. And I only hope, and I really hope, that we are now at a point where where, uh, a good-faith, productive negotiation will now ensue as quickly as is possible and that we will have a positive outcome.
0: Um,
1: Your um,
0: deputy, Michelle O'Neill, First Minister-designate, I think I'm right in saying that. That's correct. Sinn Féin stands on the brink of history, could hold power in both the north and the south of Ireland. Doesn't that instil some hope in trying to look for a compromise. Doesn't that, isn't that what Sinn Féin should be looking at? Just over the horizon, you could be in charge of both parts of Ireland.
1: We could be, and of course that's that's in the gift of the Irish uh, electorate. But yes, uh, Michelle, last uh, May was a very historic uh, election in the north of Ireland. The island, as you know, has been partitioned now for more than a century. I do know that. Yeah. As as part of the the colonial retreat uh, of Britain, we were. Uh, colonised, as you know, we we got the sharp end of British imperialism. That's probably for another conversation and another day. But the, the, the election in May was significant because for the first time, an Irish Republican, an Irish nationalist emerges as First Minister in a political jurisdiction that was designed a century ago, for that to never, ever happen. So that, I think, more than anything, crystallised the extent of political change in Ireland in a really positive way. I think it said not just to Republicans and nationalists that things had equaled up, but it says to everybody, no jobs beyond you. You know, no position, even the highest position in the north of Ireland. And similarly, in the south now, Sinn Féin, the party is performing well, polling well. I hope that we will be in the next government. It is my ambition that we would lead the next government in Dublin. All of that is positive, emblematic of really positive progressive change um, in Ireland. And and look, ensuring that the peace process, that the Good Friday Agreement is implemented, that the institutions work for everyone, is part and parcel of that change. So on the issue of compromise, Kay, from from the get-go... Everybody, and the, the negotiations between the, the British government and the European institutions, and the European institutions made clear, we are up for a deal. Let's hear what the concerns are.
0: What does that deal need to look like, though? I mean, you know... you. You're I think people... the shape of it was We're clear are talking about Northern Ireland. Ireland and the yeah. southern part of the island. Yeah. You are in a position, as I said, where it's just on the horizon where you could be in charge of both. Yeah. What does a deal have to look like for you?
1: Well, the the deal in in relation to the protocol, um, I I think it has to deal with the issue of concerns around overly burdensome checks between Britain and the North. It has to deal with the administrative burden. These are issues that have been raised. These are issues that are amenable to solutions. I think we're very close to that. Remember, a majority of people elected in the North of Ireland support the protocol. People in business will say to you, hmm, here are the difficulties, here are the pinch points, but everybody accepts that the protocol needs to be finesse. but we need the protocol um, as a consequence of Brexit. So in that respect, that deal, I think the contours of that act at this point are actually very clear. It's a question of cracking on and getting the job done. But the DUP won't
0: agree with this border
1: down the Irish Sea, will they? Well, look, um, the DUP have their view. They are... They express their, their, their view of things, their concerns, and that's fine. There are other views. Um, they do not represent the majority view in the north of Ireland. And I'm not taking from their democratic right to need express to back in Stormont,
0: don't you? their
1: views. Well, we need everybody back in Stormont. And what we need is an acceptance that for power sharing to work, you have to be prepared to share power by definition. We also need a democratic acceptance that in order for government to work, for democracy to work, you have to come at things in a reasonable frame of mind. And it can't be a case of my way or the highway. That's not fair. And I I would challenge the DUP in, in this regard I mean, so many important things that really matter in people's day-to-day lives have either been delayed or haven't happened at all because we don't have government in the North. And I would also say this to them. If their view is that they can crash the institutions of the Good Friday Agreement in the hope of a return to direct rule from London, that is not in prospect. That is not uh, an option. I'd also remind them that there's many parties and many interests at play in terms of all of this. Obviously, the British government, the Irish government, our European colleagues, but also people across the water in in the United States of America and beyond, all of whom have an interest in, goodwill towards and skin in the game when it comes to maintaining peace and progress in Ireland.
0: Finally, Ireland's Deputy uh, Michael Martin and other ministers hosting talks with the Northern Ireland Secretary, Chris Heaton-Harris, today. Has your party been invited?
1: Well, this is a a governmental meeting. It's the the intergovernmental conference. It's for those who who lead government. So, so no, we haven't, but there there wouldn't be anything uh, hugely unusual uh, in that. Uh, Different ministers of government are meeting, and that's a good thing. So let me welcome that. However, we need to now ratchet this up to the level of Prime Minister and Taoiseach, the, the Irish Taoiseach, the leader of the Dublin government. We really need care and caution. We also need a sense of ambition and drive to get things back up and moving and working again. We've talked here, Kay, about the the institution of government in Belfast, the executive, the assembly, which needs to get up, get cracking and get back to work. But there's also north-south bodies that operate across the island. There's east-west relationships between Ireland and Britain. All of those now need to be really, really carefully um, cared for and put back on a really active footing because you see, in the end, my ambition is for Irish unity. I'm an Irish Republican. I believe reunification of our island essentially, is the best opportunity <laughs> for all of us. You know this. This is our and I feel hugely optimistic about that. I think it's a, an opportunity Gee, of doesn't... a lifetime. But, but that, well, that's okay. They're unionist and they, and they'll make their case for the maintenance uh, of of the the union. Um, All of these opportunities are ahead of us and I know the only way that we can fully grasp those is by listening to each other, working together and accepting in the end that the Irish people are sovereign we have a right to determine our future and we will do that uh, We will do that together. And that's the bigger picture. Like the news from Ireland, I'm conscious very often on your programme, it's about stalemate, it's about, oh my God, another deadline well, That's why we're missed. giving you
0: a good chunk of time yeah. so you can make your points eloquently as you are. Um, if you were Taoiseach, and uh, many people think you will be uh, the next one, what would you be saying to the EU right now?
1: What I'm saying to them now, uh, at this point, I would be saying uh, continue to work hard, continue to engage, um, get the job done, get the job done for us. And, and I, I mean, I have said the same to, to your government. I've said that the same to um, British governments, you know, engage in good faith, engage and recognise that when all of the diplomatic high wire act subsides, You know, when the the television cameras are turned off and everybody goes home, there are real communities, real families, real people who rely on the stability of the peace process, the advancement of the peace process. Don't play games with that. Do not play games with that. And I was very heartened to see that the the leader of the the British Labour Party, the leader of the opposition here, asserting again, Kira Starmer asserting again the Labour Party legacy. It was in Northern Ireland. In terms of, that's right, in Belfast, asserting, you know, uh, their contribution which was very considerable at the time d- defining in the building of the peace process and this was, has been a collective effort and i would just urge everybody to reflect on that i mean we're all in politics and some politics can be it's as we would call it senior hurling mm. you know it's it can be a tough game it can be certain. sometimes quite a you know an, an adversarial uh enterprise but but there are moments where collaboration where respect where inclusion are the big ticket items. Okay. This is one of them. So let's get it done. So I'd urge the British government, get this done. No more unilateral action. Get it done. We need it done.
0: I hear you. See you at the top of the hour here on Sky.